All right, everybody. Thank you for coming out to Carlino's here in Ardmore. We want a big, loud cheer. As Russ said, that is the sound of 700,000 people eating tomato pie, dips, wings. Uh, we got beer from... La, La, La Barca. La, La, Cabra. La Cabra. Yeah. So Dyslexic th- Spanish. So La th- Cabra. Thank that you one. to Carlinos for having us. Thank you to La Cabra Barca's Brewing. Uh, this is a great event. Thank you to the folks here over at New Media Studios coming out. Uh, volunteered to help us yesterday with this mic setup, speaker setup. Um, so thank you to them. Uh, we'll, we'll give them a good plug later on as well. Um, and we also want to thank one of our other sponsors, Amerigas Propane. Who doesn't love propane? Who tailgates? You should have an Amerigas tank. Um, sometime during this show, we're going to give away a $500 gift certificate for the Carlino's game day menu. So if you haven't yet, uh, Rich is over here. Um, find him, put your name in a bin, and we'll we'll choose it. Um, we're going to talk a lot of Eagles. Go ahead. Oh, I th- I, th- I think Philadelphia. Look at you. I didn't hear you, Philadelphia. Look at you. One more time, Philadelphia. Look at you. Look at you. You're so freaking beautiful. Russ is morphing into Gilbert Gottfried before. How you doing? There we go. So we're going to talk a lot about the Eagles, but we do have a mid-afternoon Sixers in London game to kind of quickly discuss here. So we want to bring on two of uh, two of Crossing Broad's finest here. First up is Kevin Kincaid, who was our Sixers beat writer, and he's around here somewhere, probably with the West Virginia hat. Kevin does an excellent job covering the Sixers on a daily basis. Um, Looks shockingly small next to Joel Embiid, but he's quite tall in person. And we also want to bring on Phil Kaidel, who occasionally writes for us. He's one of our contributors, and he hates everything about Brett Brown. And in our internal uh, Slack chat, Kevin and Phil almost killed each other once, arguing over Brett Brown. So we want to put them on the mic together to talk about this. And also joining us from New York, you can't see him, is Adam Lefko, who is um, with us every morning, wearing an Eagles shirt. In where are you? He's got like some sort of brick background. Great. Where am I? Look at me. <laughs> I am sitting here in my apartment in New York. I'm eating a slice of my own New York pizza because you are enjoying a tomato pie. In my cup, I have legitimate champagne to celebrate Russ being in front of people and doing well. I am so proud of my son, <laughs> Russ. He is growing up before our eyes, and he is the Ben Simmons of the Crossing Broadcast podcast. He, you are like He's like the omniscient voice right here. Um, all right, so let's bring on Phil and Kevin over here on the mic. Let's talk about a 20-point, 22-point? Uh, 22-point blown point Sixers blown lead, lead today. The Sixers oh. are... Kevin has broken the mic. This is why hey, hey, there we go. things. So the Sixers are in London today. Uh, all I know is I'm getting ready to come here, and there's a 22-point lead. I get out of the shower, and they're down like 15 and never got any closer. Uh, Kevin, your thoughts on, on another blown large lead, this time across the pond? It, well, it wasn't even necessarily just a blown lead over the course of uh, X amount of minutes a game. It was sort of they blew the entire end of the second quarter through the third quarter and into the fourth quarter. I felt like Boston it just sort of was sleepwalking through the first 
quarter and a half and wasn't even playing up to the ability that we knew that they were capable of. Phil will always blame every uh, blown lead on, on Brett Brown, of course, but I, I've always I try to take a slower, more deliberate look at it. You know, you can't, uh, you can't blow a lead. Well, you know, let's back it up even further than that. You know, I, I don't think anybody favored a 519 and 19 team with, uh, with a rookie and a second year big man to beat, you know, a really good Celtics team who's number one in the Eastern Conference right now, who's a better team overall. So I just take a, sort of a more measured approach to the whole thing. Is that is that fair to say? I I'm think that's fair to say. Yeah, yeah, it's almost like you're a responsible reporter. But you can't. But you can't. Uh, you, know, you can't blow a 22 point lead unless you build up a 22 lead, 22 point lead in the first place. So uh, I know it sounds obvious, you know, Captain Obvious here on the microphone, but. Uh, you know, I think it's more, I think any criticisms that people have of this team, I think you have to look at it more of a, a philosophical thing. You've got to ask yourself why they're building up these leads in the first place. And, uh, you know, the identity of this team, as we've watched throughout the year, is that they like to play with pace. They're up-tempo. They swing the ball around. They throw more passes than anybody in the NBA. Ben Simmons is a guy who gets out in transition, does a lot of his good work in space there. They have a lot of spot-up shooters. People aren't aren't going to dribble and, and create shots off the dribble necessarily. So, you know, they get to these big leads off of uh, transition and pace and shooting the three-pointer well. And then uh, when that doesn't really work, they can't really change their identity necessarily. They're not going to be a team that slows it down, uh, runs deliberate half-court offense to try to protect the ball. That's just, you know, not their game. So I, I, what I always say to Phil is that, you know, I think his criticism of Brett Brown is, is valid, but it's sort of like I think it's directed differently because, you know, if you want to look at the f- philosophy of this team and the identity they're trying to carve out, they're trying to be the Golden State Warriors 2.0, you know, and uh, you can ask yourself, does it make sense to try to be the Warriors again? Or is that just something that you just can't replicate, you know? So that was the yin. That was the Carlino's onion and bacon dip. It was reliable. It was mellow, it was enjoyable, and slightly salty. Very delicious. Here comes the screaming buffalo sauce. This is buffalo dip, Kaidel. <laughs> so Kyle likes to title these podcast episodes. I have a title for you for tomorrow's if you want it, Kyle. Poops, I did it again. They blew another 20, not a double digit, a 20 plus point lead. I did a Google search this afternoon just for fun. Sixers blow 20-point lead. That's all I searched. In the last three weeks, I got Celtics, I got Raptors, I got Blazers. In three weeks, it should take you months to be that inept repeatedly. Now, the thing I get ripped the hardest for by my friend Russell over here on the Slack channel is that I refer to the current Sixers head coach as McCannon. That's my shorthand for the Sixers head coach. And it's been mentioned on the podcast, but nobody's ever given me even a minute to explain why I refer to him that way. It should be pretty obvious, but let me give it to you. The Phillies had Pete McCannon as a manager when they had no players and when the results just didn't matter. And then Reese Hoskins started hitting home runs like it was his job, because it is. And they started winning games. And now Pete McCannon doesn't manage the Phillies anymore. Brett Brown coached the Sixers the last few years when they had terrible players, and you know who all those guys are. I'm not going to recite them here. It's not Vander Blue, James Nunnally. Thank you, Russell. You can, when it's your turn. <laughs> now the Sixers have Sorry, players, Dad. or so I'm told. They have this guy Embiid. They have Simmons. They drafted a guy number one overall, but nobody seems to know where he is. Like, I, 
I know there are sightings of him with a basketball in his hand, but it's like when you see grainy video of Tiger Woods hitting golf shots on a driving range somewhere, and you think, wow, yeah, I haven't seen Tiger in a long time, but they say he's going to play, but then weeks turn into months, and months turn into years, and Tiger doesn't tee it up. Well, where's, like, Markel Fultz other than taking on chairs in a gym? Like, I don't know. So ultimately, the five foot six white assistant coach takes offense to you calling him a chair. Fair enough, Russell. The point being, some of these things have to be McCannon's fault. Even if not all of them are, some of them definitely are. And right at the top of the list is when you have multiple 20 point leads in three weeks and you lose all three of those games after having blown games to the Suns to the Bulls, to the dreck of the league. What can we rely on this guy to do? All right, that was very impassioned. That was very good. I think May I, I say think something, please? It. Yeah, let's, yeah, Adam, let's bring ahead. in a disembodied voice here. Let's, go, let's, see, let's hear it. Thank you. Mr. Kaidel. what you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things <laughs> I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Russ? Hey, Adam. It's nice to speak to you. Bleacher Report did have a plagiarism problem once upon a time, right? <laughs> He hands the microphone back to me. As if I'm supposed to do something with that. That's a tough follow. Well, listen, let, no, let's try. Okay, do, are we, do we want to f- try to find a solution here to the problem, or do we just want to leave it at, at, at where Can it is? Can I just ask, how many wins did Phil think this team was going to have going into the season? Well, I think, I, I think it's do, a fair wanna, question. Do, how oh, many, you're how actually many wins, asking that? Yeah, yeah how, how many wins in the prediction it's a rhetorical did, did you have them? Well, <laughs> I can cite to the fact that the over-under was in the 38 range. And I liked the over. So when you go into a season with a team that you expect to have 38 wins, and they play against the top team in the Eastern Conference, what did you exactly expect to happen? Well, I'd have been fine with them losing the game if they hadn't gotten up 22 points again. So 22 points happened because J.J. Redick shot, what, six for eight in the first quarter? An out-of-body experience for him. Kyrie Irving looked like he didn't know what a basketball was for at least... I don't know, three quarters of the first half. Like, eventually, teams are going to manage to, to find their pace. They're going to manage to kind of find the groove that's gotten them to a 33-10 and 10 or now 34-10 and 10 record. Like, this, this isn't like they lost to Sacramento again. This is a very different scenario. If you blow a 22-point lead to a Sacramento, to a Chicago, it's totally understandable. It's a rational thought. And maybe you do call the coach into question, but it's the best team in the Eastern Conference. Russell. Phil. They didn't just lose. They lost by 11. They went negative 33 in two and a half quarters. I would submit to you that most competent NBA coaches spotted to a 22-point lead against the Celtics, who admittedly at the time were playing horribly, would have a plan, some idea of how to bleed that game out and coax home a win. I'm not asking them to win by 20. I'm asking them to win by 10. So what point, did, what point did Brett, Bar- Brett Brown have a basketball in his hand to bring the ball up the court? I've said multiple times that Ben Simmons initiates his offense far too fast. It, it has been an issue. Six seconds into the shot clock, he's initiating offense when they should be grinding out the clock. You know why he's that's, doing a, that, that's, a, that's a guy 
who has the ball in his hands, who's always been told that he's the best player on the court. All right, so I, so I feel like uh, mom and dad are fighting here, and I'm stuck at the kid. Please or let dad, me be dad. Or dad and Please. son, as it were. Okay, <laughs> that's fair. Um, Grandson. So I think what Just, this, this comes down to the issue of expectations, and I know this is in Adam's wheelhouse as he's polishing off. He had another. How many pieces of pizza have you had over there? Um, but I feel like this comes down to the issue of expectations, and this can lead us into an Eagles conversation as well because that's, that's the big game on the horizon here. But, you know, this year there was so much hype around the Sixers going into the year, and then they started so well. Um, and then with the Eagles, it was kind of the opposite, where there was kind of like a lukewarm uh, anticipation, and then they started so insanely well, and now you have, you know, a team without their starting quarterback, and we have no idea what to make of them. Uh, but this all sort of comes down to, like, the way you are grading – uh, Brett Brown is kind of in a win-now mode. I think the way a lot of people, and Kevin included, look at Brett Brown is like, hey, he's really only had 40-some games with an actual NBA team to prove himself, and he's not beyond criticism, but you know, threatening to fire him every game. So I'd be interested to get Adam's thoughts over here because he, he's sort of our like, rational. He spends his time in New York. He focuses a lot on the national side of things. So like, he's not quite as in the thick of throwing mud at each other as we are. So as far as expectations go, Adam, like... I, I need you to be like the disembodied voice of reason, please. So this has been a common theme for the Sixers all year. They start off to really great first quarters, and then the third quarter, it dissipates. But I think the national perspective on Brett Brown is that the hand he was dealt has bought him time. His players have given him and still give him a ton of respect and love and the respect from other coaches. Coaches can see what he's trying to do and appreciate uh, the level of his play calling. I think to blame a coach for everything without giving any particular reasons as to what he did that didn't work. I did the math right around the midway of the fourth quarter. The Celtics were shooting 58% from the field and 60% from three, whereas the Sixers had gone one from seven from three. Look, at the end in the fourth quarter, they're down five, and then that lead completely dissipates. Uh, Look, the Sixers' expectations are in the 30s. We're still on track for that. I mean, I understand what Russ has always said, that the Eastern Conference is open, so why not seize it? But sometimes your quarterback is Blake Bortles. It's like the Jaguars. Their year might be next year when they get somebody. The Sixers' year might be next year when Markel Fultz is actually coming off the bench and giving you know, 10 minutes and taking all of Jared Bayless's minutes. I just think um, to judge Brett Brown now when he still doesn't have the depth and there are still issues and he doesn't have a backup point guard and he doesn't have you know a, a Robert Covington holding on to what he's doing, I think it's... Come on, I think next year is really the evaluation year. I think this year was the let's see if Embiid and Simmons can stay healthy year. So he, he brought up uh, he brought up a good thing here to put a bow on the Sixers, and that's um, and Markel Fultz. So mm-hmm. Kevin, as the as our beat guy who's down there every day, um, one of the you know few who's consistently at the practice facility, probably jonesing to hear from Markel Fultz. How um, yeah, they let him speak in London. Frustrating is it that he that he speaks in London and in front of mostly international reporters and you know just a small handful of Sixers guys who traveled over there and like there's definitely a sense that they're hiding something 
like Phil said, there's grainy video of him shooting today. Uh, by the way, hitting the back iron like six times in a row. Uh, at, posted by a at, French website, I think. As is tradition, posted by a French website. So, like, what's your take on when he'll be back and sort of the frustration level or not around the way the Sixers uh, message that? I think we originally thought it was okay today. Uh, Monday at the 1 p.m. game, I thought that's when we thought he might be back, but it might be the game. and kind of wrap this thing together. This name up in this podcast, but Chip Kelly, like a Chip Kelly, uh, I heard some mumbling in the corner over there. Uh, like a Chip Kelly Oregon offense, a spread offense that comes out and they pass the ball all over the place. They play with rhythm. They play with tempo. They're sort of feeling what they're doing. And then Stanford comes out and sort of hits them right in the mouth. And they don't know what to do. They can't run the ball, uh, kill the clock, you know, change what they're doing. So I think what happens is when the Sixers get these big leads and they start to go away, how do you slow it down? How do you be more deliberate? Throw the, throw the ball to Joel Embiid in the post. Markel Fultz will help with that because he's a guy who can create his own shot off the dribble and create a shot for other people. And they can be sort of that more half-court kind of offense. They have to... It's a philosophical thing, I think, is the problem here. They get out to these big leads playing in their Golden State Warriors 2.0 kind of style. And what Brett Brown does, which I think Phil is going to comment on right now, is how do they adjust and how do they adapt and sort of change throughout the game to build on what they do well and then close it out with something different? Well, Kevin, right. Good comeback. It's almost like you're a lawyer. They build these leads <laughs> on transition, open threes which are created in transition, taking teams by surprise, I guess, although this late in the season they shouldn't take anybody by surprise. But now you have a 20-plus point lead, and they don't know how to play, grind it out, bring it home basketball, and part of that is because Ben Simmons, who is an excellent basketball player, I'm not going to say he's not, but his strength is... You called him a big Ricky Rubio. I called him a very tall Ricky Rubio. It was a moment of anger. I'm not proud of it. He's better than that. However, he also did spend a year off the basketball court. Came back this year without a jump shot and without a reliable free throw stroke. Fair or unfair? That's fair. Totally fair. fair. What did the coach do about any of that while Ben Simmons was spending a year finding himself? Shy of embracing him from behind, like Leonardo DiCaprio did to Rose in Titanic. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Does he like have to move his arms for him? Come on, man. Robert Covington was a guy who was playing in the D League. He was discarded, and under Brett Brown's tutelage, he's become a legitimate three and D that picked up a contract that gets him what seventeen million a year. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, the last couple of games, he's done pretty well. He's He's shooting around 40% for the season, so I, I don't think he's... Let me just, uh, uh, let me just like, ask this, and we'll involve the crowd. We'll do an informal kind of thing here. If I asked you, uh, are you satisfied with where the Sixers are right now? Would you, how many people would say they're satisfied with the Sixers season as a whole? Is that like half, maybe half? Make some noise. Yeah. If many, you are satisfied so? with where they are, if they're about where you thought they would be, <laughs> make some noise. A little yeah. bit of noise. Yeah. All right. If you're if you're <laughs> underwhelmed, and how many how many people are disappointed with where they're at right now? Yeah. Oh, we got <laughs> we got Phil and two there other people. So I think okay, 
I think some. So listen, I think the takeaway here is that you know the, the expectations. I, I think some. I had him at forty-one and forty-one, right on the five hundred line with the eighth seed in the East. I think most people would say that if they make it in the playoffs this year, it's a successful season. But that's split right down the middle. I think you got a fifty-fifty split in the fan base right now, where some people are happy with where they are, and some people think they should be further ahead. So I don't think you could be any more split than you are right now. Fair enough. All right, so that's probably a good good ending point and a good way to put a bow on the Sixers here. Uh, we should probably move on and talk about the Eagles. Uh, before we do, everybody, yes, let's round of applause, not only for the Eagles, for Carlinos. Carlinos, Carlinos, yes. How great, uh, how great is this food? By a round of applause. That's loud. How great is the beer? The, be- the beer is... There's a kid clapping back there. I don't know why. Um, Weird. I thought I got lost in Pottsville for a second. So, so anyway, we have a great crowd here. For the, all the people who will be listening to this, uh, we, we can't thank Carlinos enough uh, and recommend them enough. So if you're anywhere within, like, 30, 40 minutes driving distance of Ardmore, you should uh, make it a point every week to go out of your way and come to... Uh, and there's a Westchester location. Thank you very much. My stomping grounds. Oh, Russ's it's old so, stomping grounds. It's so good. So please make it a point. Uh, their game day menu available through the Super Bowl is absolutely excellent, and they have many of those selections uh, or similar type selections available throughout the year. Is that right, Rich? Yep. Uh, the tomato pie, I can assure you, is, is always ready, and it's absolutely delicious. But we got dips here. We got chicken wings. We got what else? What, what else was over the there? The market itself. Stromboli's out here. Absolutely okay. terrific. Not ju- you know, and, and certainly homemade pastas, meatballs, all that sort of thing. So um, thanks to Carlinos for hosting us. Um, everybody in here, or almost everybody, or anyone who's wearing anything besides me, who's foolishly wearing a Sixers hat on a day like today, uh, is wearing Eagles stuff. So we should probably talk about the Eagles. And this guy's wearing a Villanova Law shirt after my own heart. So thank you. Uh, we're going to bring on talk about the Eagles, Bob Wankel, uh, who writes for Crossing Broad. And uh, Investor Jeff, you want to talk about us a little bit? Yeah, we got Investor he's Jeff. So who is, tentative. Who's he's the big uh, like he's the, he's the big purse behind Crossing Broad. How big is the purse? <laughs> We're supposed to be two of them. Bob broke the mic again. All right, Adam, can I ask you really quickly how many how many uh, slices of pizza have you polished off so far? Because I was very jealous that you guys were in Carlino's. I got a grandma slice with some fresh sauce. I got a vodka slice. And because when you order seamless, you got to go over ten dollars, Russ. I was forced to order mozzarella sticks against my will. So, you know, I had to, I had to hold that down. Well, I'm I'm really proud of you. Uh, I I have to say, I know that we got done the Carlinos thing, but I I do have to point out to those who haven't been through here, the market itself is incredible. And if you are somebody who watches any kind of food show and you're looking for that soprasata, you're looking for maybe. You know, a little bit of mozzarella di bufala. Russ may be the it's, only person uh, who doesn't work here who can pronounce that, so that's very impressive. Well, that's what happens. You speak a little Italian. So uh, let me just say, if outside of the, the prepared foods and the game day special stuff, if you are looking for specific artisan foods, meats, cheeses, they have a cheese section that would make, I don't know, like a dairy person blush. It's incredible. Anyway, Eagles. Yeah, so I think at this point in... Uh in talking about the Eagles' upcoming game, I, I don't know about anybody else. I'm pretty tired of just discussing what could possibly happen, uh, not only because it's been three weeks since they've played yeah. any sort of meaningful game, but also because no one knows what to expect. Like The range of possible outcomes for the Eagles is anywhere from putting up three points to 
putting up 27 and winning two games at home and going to the Super Bowl. And we just don't know. We don't know if the quarterback that we saw um, was someone who just hadn't played all year and was in cold weather or if um, Nick Foles just sucks. And there's, we're really not going to find out until Saturday. And we also there's some questions about the defense. So Bob is sort of like, um, you know, eternally hates himself and for, being, for being an Eagles fan. Uh, so where are you at two days out? I know I'm, I've reached a point where I'm tired of hearing about how good the Falcons are. They were lackluster all season. They were barely a top 10 team, maybe not even. And they, you know, I mean, two of their wins down the stretch came against the, the lowly Buccaneers. So... I mean, listen, last Saturday night, the Rams and Falcons are playing one another, and, and I'm watching this game, and at the end of the game, I'm like, the Eagles by double digits. This, this Falcons team stinks. They're not that good. They haven't been that good all year. They were, they were explosive on offense last year. They did a lot of nice things. Steve Star- Starkeesian comes over and, and replaces uh, Shanahan, and, and I just looked at it, and I said, like, this, this team is not that good. They've kind of sputtered their wheels all year. And they're going to roll. And I really felt like that. And I was puffing my chest out. And admittedly, I had like 17 beers as I, as I puffed my chest out. And, and then the week started and everyone's like, listen, they're an underdog and they're not that good. And the Falcons defense are ball hawks. And, and I started to kind of talk myself into this isn't going to end well. But I'm back there now. Here we are on Thursday, two days before the game, and, and I'm there. And investor Jeff, who you'll hear from in a minute, said this is house money. You know, they lost the MVP of the league. They're not supposed to win this game, but I got to be honest with you. Like, I, all year, I, I finally puffed out my chest. I've, I'm a guy that's, that's fought a lot of scars from this team throughout the years, and, and I swear to God, this was the year. And, and I'm not ready to let go of that yet. I mean, the, they are at home. They have this defense. They've been good at home. And I just trust, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I trust Doug Peterson to develop a plain a game plan that that's going to put them in a position to win this game on Saturday and and that's kind of where I'm at and and honestly after wavering a little bit I'm I'm back there I I don't want to sound like a homer Uh, I don't want to you know sound like certain guys on other podcasts who Russ may have been you know made impressions of in the last couple days but I gotta be honest with you man I I feel like they're gonna roll on Saturday I really truly do that's exactly what I wanted to hear look at you Wankle coming around South Philly, baby. Am I supposed to rebut this, or what I am I supposed to? So. I, you know. I don't have much to add. I didn't think I was going to be on here. Well, because uh, you're the I, eternal optimist with the Sixers, uh, so I'd like to see Are they going to win, Jeff? The fact that you will they win? the eternal optimist. Will they win? Shock everybody in my life. Will they win? Well, Phil was just well, standing Are the there, Eagles so. going to win? You're the optimist. You're the guy I, before, I who wanna, sees everything I, with pure joy. Yeah. Are the Eagles going to win? Uh, this you isn't know good. what? Hold on. Before you answer... If you are in the crowd right now and you think the Eagles are going to lose, make noise. If you think the Eagles are going to lose. If you think the Eagles are going to win, make noise. Now, Jeff, it's I almost ask you like again, you're playing to the crowd. are the Eagles going to I win? Think they're, I, I, I think they may win. My biggest concern is that I have reservations definitive. for dinner at 8 really o'clock. Going out on a limb I just there. want to make sure that they might win, they might the game's lose. over by like... Can the game end in a tie? Does Donovan think it can end in a tie? It's not going to end in a tie. Um, I, you know, we kind of handled Atlanta pretty well last year when they were a much better offense. We were not nearly as good. Uh, overall, even with Carson Wentz with last no year, Jay we no didn't have a Jay Ajayi. Is that what we're calling him? Now? We didn't have a um, Johnson. I, you know, I'm not a big. I had Matt Ryan on my fantasy team this year. He was, 
not supposed to curse. There's kids there. He was awful. Um, you know, I think we can handle their running game. I, I think this defense is pissed, frankly, from some of the, you know, uh, things we've seen them, Fletcher Cox and, and some of the other guys feeling disrespected. I, I think it's going to be very low scoring. I don't know anything. That's the caveat. I'm always wrong about this stuff. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I kind of feel like Bob sort of alluded to this. You know, at this point, it's a little bit house money. I do think they probably ought to win this game. You know, I remember back in the day when we were going to NFC Championship games every year, and it was so easy to get to the Super Bowl. You basically had to win two home games, and that was it. Um, they probably ought to win this game. Will they win? You know, I don't I, – I, I'll, I'll, I'll say yes. Russ is insisting that I can answer. No, but uh, – I, I feel like we're kind of playing with house money. Nobody expected 13 wins. Nobody expected to be in the second round of the playoffs, honestly. We got a little greedy, you know, at 10 and 1 or whatever we were, and – then Wentz gets hurt, and that's then that's that. And uh, sh- I mean, I'll be devastated. If they lose, but, Adam, you know. if if I say from my perspective, based on the national perspective, based on you sitting with with Sims, <sighs> if I say to you that my my thought on this is the Eagles either win a game like thirteen ten, <laughs> or the Eagles get blown out like thirty five to fifteen, or like thirty five to eighteen. Am I am I off base? Like I, I don't Falcons see a scenario. I don't see a scenario in which the the Eagles put up a massive amount of points. I see it as they have to win close, or they're going to get smashed. Am I am I totally off base? No, I think you're off base. Uh, by the way, Kyle, great sit. Let me give you one. Oh, there it is. Get it. Oh, nice. You I'm looking at back. one you... thing on each side of the line that I'm watching to evaluate coaching. Number one. Running the football, and what I mean by it, though, will they run correctly? Will the Eagles finally run north and south and stop running these guys to the side because the Falcons are very fast and the Eagles have a size advantage with their lines? They outweigh them by almost 100 uh, at every position. I'm getting in there, and I'm going right in the middle. On defense, will Jim Schwartz play a a smarter, safer defense and not do what he did to the Seahawks and blitz everybody and let his guys go on an island and let Matt Ryan double move them. Russ, I look at this game, though, and I look at the Eagles, and I think that this is the perfect mix. I mean, this is historic. They are the first number one seed ever not to be a favorite at home. The motivation from that is going to be uncanny. That place is going to be crazy. I'm I'm even looking at Matt Bryant's field goal kicking stats. And the last time he played outdoors, he missed one. He's missed number of them outside. I genuinely believe that Nick Foles is not four touchdowns against the Giants, and he's not what we saw against the Raiders and the Cowboys. He's somewhere in that beautiful middle ground, that 225 yards with two touchdowns and one interception, and then they need to pound the rock. The fact that Jay Ajayi is the only running back in the regular season that went for over 100 yards on this defense, the confidence, the fact that he got not only a week off, but Practically all of week 17 off for someone with his legs is going to do so much for his energy. Can Alshon Jeffrey win the 50-50 ball? I think he's going to get one. I think the Eagles win this one. 
outright. Like I really do. I think I agree with Kyle. I think this is a Falcons team that survived the Rams because their punt returner fumbled two punts in the first half and put them in a 13, nothing hole. I think Atlanta wants to play from ahead, but they'll be down first. And I'm saying E A G L E as Eagles going to take this shit. Cause I can curse and they're going to the <laughs> NFC championship game. Let me holla at you. Can you spell but- that again? <laughs> can you, can you spell that one more time? What's, how do you spell Eagles? E A G L S Eagles. That's beautiful. I'm Bef- so proud of you. Before before we let Adam put the mic down here, uh, it's worth noting. Um, no one listening can see this, and no one here. But I encourage you to come take a look at the monitor because behind Adam there sits uh, an Emmy award, and we're looking it up here in real He's- time on LinkedIn. Adam is a two time Emmy award winner, and he just happens to have his computer framed. Just so just the enough. Emmy, just, just so enough. his Emmy is in the background. Now my question is: So what you win the says, Emmy? For? Oh, okay. This says that he's got two two won, Emmy wins. I won an Emmy. Hold on, 20, really quick. 2012 I won the Sports Emmy feature, for 2010 the, news feature for WHAS TV in Louisville, Kentucky. And so, I think it's fantastic. Look at you! Look at you, Adam Lefko, winning Emmy awards in Kentucky. <laughs> I got to admit something, though. That's actually from the plagiarism that Phil was talking about <laughs> earlier, so don't get too excited. Oh, man. Adam, can I, just, can I just say really quick, because I've gotten a few messages about it. You just sound so nice right now. You don't sound like a divorcee who just drag-smoked two packs of camels. Well done. That was a, that was a thinly veiled shot. I don't think people realize... What we, I don't think what we realize, what, I don't think people realize that we get up at 5.50 in the morning three days a week and, you know, it's half exhaustion, half knowing. I just want to talk about Philadelphia sports and I want to hear Russ do impressions and I need Kyle clanging around with his coffee. You know, three days a week, that's how we wake up. So for me, uh, that's just the voice I have at, at six o'clock in the morning. I didn't know I had that voice until I started talking to you guys, but that is apparently my alter ego, Divorce Adam. Emmy award winning. So, um, right, so yeah, so, so back to the Eagles. So you are sort of, sort of an optimist. Uh, Adam is. A I'm realist. not an optimist. It, it just it's just so happened that like when I started working here, like Reese Hoskins got good, and the Phillies became relevant, and the Eagles won a, ten of their first eleven games. I'm the most pessimistic person on earth. See, I, I'm I'm with you though. I'm with you on your opinion about the Eagles. I've personally, and I don't know about anybody else here. I've heard enough about the Falcons. I've heard enough about how the Eagles aren't good. And I, this is like the most Homer take of all time. But as someone who played and, and gambled way too much money on DraftKings throughout the season and watched like is almost as many games as Adam, who sits in uh, his Bleacher Report office all day on Sunday with a team of people and 16 monitors, the Falcons were not particularly good. And they played fairly well at the end with a like fairly good, above average, slightly above average defense over the past month or month and a half. Again, two of those wins against the Bucks. Credit to them for going out and beating the Rams in L.A. in front of that like half-assed crowd. Uh, another swear jar. Um, but I feel like I feel like we've the Eagles team, regardless of how many points a quarterback is worth and how how important Carson Wentz was to to them. 
The defense was really good, much better than what the Falcons had to offer, with the exception of a couple of a couple of games in cold weather in weird circumstances. The Eagles' defense is significantly better, and certainly their line is better than the Falcons. And I feel like a home game with that defense against a Falcons offense that is like almost middle of the pack and not what they used to be. Matt Ryan feels soft. Um, their entire, you know, uh, their scheme was almost solely based on the existence of Kyle Shanahan last year, who was obviously gone. Uh, I don't think Dan Quinn is a particularly good coach. And Julio Jones is completely hit or miss and doesn't score touchdowns. He hasn't scored a touchdown since Thanksgiving. I think he had three or four all year. Like, this isn't a dynamic offense. It's going to be a low-scoring game. And at home, I just think I'm tired of – seriously, I think that defense has to be so pissed off at everything they've read that – that the Eagles not only win this game, but I like I don't think it's that far fetched, and I like the Eagles and Jaguars in the Super Bowl. I think like the defenses. I think defenses. Wait, 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 wait. Out. Yeah, <laughs> and, and the no, Jags. No, 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 no. You, you are not allowed to try to make rational right over points to say that Jacksonville is going to go. Jacksonville's to the Super Bowl. defense is so elite. Adam, please. <laughs> Their defense is elite, but I have a hard time believing that Blake Bortles is going to win in Pittsburgh in under twenty degree weather. I just and then what go to New England like that would be one of the greatest runs it's far-fetched yeah I don't know I I, but it'd be cool if you can if you can win in those spots it's got to be with an elite defense and I think that's what they have but I mean anyway that you can hold me to that their defense is incredible it is it is, and and you're going to get the so it's going to be I think Eagles, Vikings, and Jaguars. You're going to, you're two, three of the best defenses in football are going to wind up there. Listen, I'm with you defensively. <laughs> I think that the Eagles can control this game. I think the home field does matter. I mean, they've been very good there. I don't I've watched a lot of Falcons football. I didn't do DraftKings, but I've wagered a significant amount of money and lost on the Falcons throughout the year, so I hate them. Uh, Russ and I were talking about this actually before the show, and uh, I coach freshmen in JV football in South Jersey, so that makes me uniquely qualified. Professional football game, <laughs> and he says, "Like, well, what would you do with Nick Foles? You've seen what he's done the last two weeks. Like, where are you at with him?" And I said, "Well, if it were me as a coach, I would say you need to be confident. You need to drop back and just let it rip, right?" And I mean, I think that that's something that a lot of people have said throughout the course of the past two weeks. The problem with that is, and this is my one concern at the, with this game. I really do think the Eagles can win this game. I think actually, I truly believe that the Eagles are going to win this game. Like I said, by double digits, and that make make me insane. But I, I was talking to Russ, and I said, listen, my thing is this. you got to tell him to let it rip. But the problem is, if it's drop back, one, two, three, pat, 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 and he hesitates, Falcon secondary is very good against the pass, and they can ball hawk. And the issue is, yeah, you might let one rip deep, and you might be successful on it, but you may also have a, a false sense of security. And this could be a potential issue for Nick Bolt, where he turns the ball over two, three four times because the coaching staff all week must have been saying listen you look tentative you look scared trust yourself you've been here before you've had success Falcon secondary is like bottom five in interceptions though you know but you look at it the last couple weeks and they have been much much better I mean I don't have a ton of confidence in the Falcons defense and that's part of the reason that I like the Eagles in this game but I do think that if you coach up Nick Foles to the point where you say listen man trust yourself let it rip you could be asking for some trouble there my issue, I think, going into it when it comes to confidence, and Adam, you've, you've actually talked to professional players. I've just failed at them as them on Madden. Um, when, when I hear quotes Russ coming that out written down. about... No, I didn't. That's definitely not my sheet. Uh, when, I, when I take a, a look at quotes from Nick Foles, and I think even Doug Peterson, but it was, it was definitely Foles, saying that 
in in lead up in preparation for the Atlanta game, he's been going back and watching his good film. Like we're talking the Oakland game where he threw seven touchdowns. Like I, I think there is something to be said for wanting to feel good about yourself and going back and seeing you be successful. But that was years ago. And when I look at the game he played against Oakland, I look again at the game he played against Dallas. You know, like I, I want to hear that the quarterback is being more self-critical and and not looking for some kind of a, a false positive about a game that that happened under Chip Kelly. And maybe I'm nuts, but I, I don't see it. You know, like in the 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 game where Tory uh, Tory Smith drops a pass on third and seven and kills the momentum of a drive. Exactly. People said, well. Torrey Smith ruined it, and, and like that threw Foles off. But then Foles had three more drives where he didn't accomplish very much uh, you know, in terms of, of moving the team and moving the chains. And so when I look at it, I am very worried because if it's some, something as simple as a, a receiver, as like Torrey Smith being a guy who's dropping a pass, and fine, on the next drive I want to see them force a pass or two to Torrey Smith to get his confidence up. I want to see a short pass. I want to see some kind of screen. I want to see Foles getting his confidence up. I want to see Foles after that drop pass running over to Torrey Smith and telling him you're going to have the next one. I want to see that kind of leadership, and I, I didn't necessarily see it, and I'm worried that Foles right now, Foles and the coaching staff might be trying to play a, a mental game with him where they're trying to you know boost him up and I'm, it just makes me nervous. Let me say this. One, I think all Eagles fans need to know this. The Falcons defense is really freaking good and it's better than their offense. So don't like when the, when the game starts off and you're like, man, these Falcons are all over the place. They're really freaking fast and they're really good. They're one of the top three fastest defenses right up there with Jacksonville, just in terms of speed. Second thing is Russ, you talked about uh, your favorite wide receiver, uh, and and I, I just want to say that Nelson Aguilar needs to be getting all of those attempts. Now, Nelson Aguilar over your Torrey Smith. Like, I'm so done with Torrey Smith. I don't need him to be on the field. They have enough guys that I think are better than him. Like, just he's not necessary. Like, I would rather see Nelson Aguilar getting all of those attempts. But – Dude, I think that Foles, if he wants to watch positivity, just watch the Giants game. I mean, he was slicing and dicing and did whatever he had to do. But I do think that there's something to athletes about visualization. Every major athlete, when they're coming off something big, they go, this is what I dreamed of. This is what I saw. I don't think it's magic. I don't, I don't think it's preposterous. I think there's something about believing in something and seeing something and doing it. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's, he's going into a playoff game. It's his second ever playoff game. But I do think that if he can play within himself, the Eagles' defense is good enough to keep him in this game. Adam, do you think Torrey Smith is the Jared Bayless of the Eagles or is Jared Bayless the Torrey Smith of the Sixers? <laughs> you don't have to answer that. Oh, I didn't hear that. All right. No, do, it, do it again. He, he got it. Do you think that Torrey Smith is the Jared Bayless of the Eagles or is Jared Bayless the Torrey Smith of the Sixers? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I have a real question. A hundred percent. Like not doubt in my mind. Like they are they are the person that we remember they only have memorable mistakes. This is a real question I want to ask and your guys' opinion on it. For some reason and you guys in the Slack know that I kind of thought Doug Peterson was sort of dumb all year. I'm strangely confident I can't hear. Is it me? Oh. I'm strangely confident that Doug Peterson's going to figure out a game plan, at least for this game, for some reason. And I guess my question is, is it possible that Doug is Andy Reid without 
kind of the arrogance and outsmarting himself. You and know, the, and the extra hundred and pounds. the extra two hundred pounds. And he does the, have a really nice middle part and visor combo. I don't know. I'm, I'm for some. I don't know if I'm the only one who feels this way. Bob, you could chime in here. I I, I feel like Doug's going to come up with something. I, I don't know why. I thought he was. I, I think he's a great. I think he's a really good play caller, actually, and I think he delegates, you know, the defense and the special teams and and, and the things he needs to delegate really well. I think he makes some boneheaded, you know, uh, yeah, you I, know, I, uh, you know, mistakes with fourth and eights and those sorts of things. But as far as kind of game plan delegation, the guy doesn't rub me the wrong way. I think he's smarter than he is, like Andy did. But I think he's got some of Andy's good qualities. Maybe not all the bad ones. Yeah, I, I think I, I agree with you most of the way. I'd say better than even a play caller. He seems like a better schemer. I was ima- I always go back to last season when their offense wasn't much at all, and it felt like they were able to get you know down inside the red. Every time they scored a touchdown last year, I remember thinking, how did we get here? Like there was not one memorable play. There was not one memorable large gain. They weren't certainly weren't throwing the ball deep. We called it the tuna can offense wider than it is long. Uh, there's another word for that, but kids here. Um, so we like, I was really impressed with the fact that they were able to be in a lot of games last year with a young quarterback who after those first three games was finding himself. And this year, it seems like early in the year, we had the same concerns about, um, you know, the long pass. And there was a lot of screen passes through those first few games. And he, it seemed like each week unveiled a new wrinkle in the offense to the point where probably that Rams game was the culmination of everything, where they were just going toe-to-toe with the Rams until Carson Wentz got hurt. So I think offensively, he, he is a very good coach. And having this much time to prepare and focus on, you know, certainly one of three opponents for two weeks and then for the last week being able to focus solely on the Falcons. I'm confident that he could put together an offensive game plan to get Nick Foles to move the ball down the field. My concern with Doug, and this really hasn't been founded in the second half of this season, but I go back to the fourth and eight. I go back to his decision to um, uh, to punt when he should have tried for a field goal against Dallas last year, to go for it on multiple you know, fourth down occasions against the Giants last year and lose a close game. It seems like he doesn't have Andy Reid's bad clock management gene. We haven't really seen him run into a clock management problem, but we have seen him make these critical decisions in close games that when he tries to explain himself after and he tries to use logic or or claim they use the math, and then you do the math, and you're like, well, he's the wrong. The math was wrong or he was wrong. And that's the that's the thing we just haven't seen from him. It's yes, he's a he's a good offensive coach, but when it comes time to make a decision to do something or go for it or whatever, that's where I get a little bit concerned. Not to mention the challenge guy in the booth who I swear doesn't have a monitor and just tells him when the you know arbitrarily tells him when to throw the flag. Um, but those are good like if the game came down to that, I would be okay with it, weirdly, because it means they're in a position to win the game. So it's, you know, it's, and that brings us to, like, I think, kind of expectations now. Like, where, how would you view the season, win, lose, close game? Because we're in such a unique territory. No one expected them to be here. Now they're here, but they don't have a quarterback. Uh, you know, they don't have their quarterback. I mean, for me personally, uh, coming into this, I, I said, hey, if they can win 10 games, if they can reach the postseason, I'm, I'm good with that. The season starts and you see what they're doing and you know that it's special. You know that this is a little bit different. And I think that that's what's been hard for everybody here. You thought that they were going to make a postseason run. You thought they could legitimately reach and win the Super Bowl. And maybe a month from now, I can step outside of this and say, listen, they lost what was probably 
arguably the MVP of the league, but I'm not there. You know, I look at this and I say, you were 13 and, and two in games in which you tried. You have home field advantage. You have a good defense. You have parts on offense that, that can be successful. You have a guy that is definitely in the conversation for NFL coach of the year. This is a game you can, and, and honestly, maybe I'm in the minority with this, should win. And so if they lose uh, 8.30 on Saturday night, I'm not going to say, well, hell of a season, guys. You know, it was a good run, and uh, it's a shame about what happened to Carson Wentz. I'm, I'm not there. And maybe by the time we get to, you know, the end of February, the beginning of March, get into the draft stuff, I can say, hey, that was a hell of a season. But I'm not there, and I'll be devastated personally. I think that this is a game that they should win. Do I think the Eagles are going to win the Super Bowl? No. Do I think they can get to the Super Bowl? I, I guess. But – to me, the way that everything fell here, this is a game they should win. And I spent a lot of this season thinking that they were going to get here and win this game. And, and come Saturday night, if they don't win it, I'm, I'm going to be bummed, man. I, I, this is a game I think that they can win and, and should win. I think that's probably a good place to wrap uh, our Eagles talk. You got something, Russ? I just have – I think it's important that, that two things are remembered in this entire thing. The same way that, that people like to build a case – for if Brett Brown is a good coach or not, is highly contingent on personnel that he has. And I think if we go back and we look at what our preseason expectations were for the Eagles, a lot of people thought they could beat 7-9, and nine, maybe 8-8. Eight and eight. And when you look at the job that Doug Peterson has done, we've, we've applauded him in the past for building a great staff. When we, I, I don't want people's emotions to ruin what has been a season that I think by all accounts has exceeded expectations. And whether or not he goes out and he loses guys like DiFilippo and, uh, and Frank Reich, Jim even Schwartz. Jim Schwartz, I, I think we need to kind of accept and, and maybe kind of keep in, in perspective what our preseason expectations were. And the way that we, like I was saying, the way that we kind of judge Brett Brown, a Dave Paxel, Jim Curtin, whoever, based on their personnel, you know, ultimately Doug Peterson's um, – his reputation going forward or his legacy is, is not going to be tarnished because of Nick Foles. If anything, and if they're able to win a playoff game, it'll only you know, raise him up uh, even higher than I think any of us thought was ever possible. But I do have to say that if you're going to the game, my biggest complaint about Philadelphia fans as a whole, it's an unpopular one. Philadelphia fans have a, have a very uh, well-known reputation as being a loud bunch. And when, when you listen to a team or, or to an analyst say that home field is so important in the playoffs, if you are going to this game and you are a Philadelphia fan, you have no right whatsoever to be silent. If the team goes out and Nick Foles misses a few passes early, you do not have the right to go and boo. And on the second drive, if Torrey Smith drops a pass, to go dead silent. You are not allowed to do that. You may, it however, is, throw something at Torrey Smith. That is totally fine. Throw away. I didn't but condone you, that, by the but way. But listen, as Philly fans, you can, you can bring the vitriol. You can bring the anger. You can boo the hell out of your team. But when push comes to shove, you are not allowed to be silent because silence is apathy. And apathy is not what home field advantage is about. That's good. All right. <laughs> I'm supposed to follow that. I can feel the, the heat coming off of you. That's probably a good place. <laughs> what, was that? what was that? Was that Adam? Adam. <laughs> that was the Emmy. Um, 
Um, all right, so uh, this is probably a good place to wrap the Eagles conversation. We got our raffle $500 Carlino food giveaway right here. Uh, before we do that, and I guess you would call this a tease, I do want to thank, uh, first of all, our guys who came out. So uh, Kevin Kincaid, Bob Wankel, Jeff Wool, um, Phil Kaidel, uh, obviously uh, Russ, Adam for Adam and his Emmy uh, and his pizza for uh, taking some time out while uh, Skyping in from New York. Also want to thank, of course, Carlino's for this, uh, the great environment, the excellent food. La Cabra, La Cabra Brewing. What do you mean? Uh, excellent. I had an excellent white IPA. They have huge... Saison was delicious. Comically large cans over here, which I thought were, like, for us to grab, and I'm kind of glad I didn't. I realized they were to pour in little cups. How many ounces on that? 32-ounce cans. Um, super good beer. Thank you to them. They are located in, in Berwyn. Berwyn, or as Russ would say, Berman. Um, Ber- Berwyn. Oh, I'm sorry. Is, is Berwyn part of Allentown, like every other city in the state? <laughs> I also want to... Th- I also want <laughs> sure. to thank uh, sure sings believe. Justin Emery from New Media Studios here. Uh, he came, offered to come and do this setup and have a speaker. Otherwise, at about 3 o'clock today, I would have been trying to figure out how to hook a laptop up to some small, like, 8-watt speakers so everybody could hear. So thank you to Justin. Um, if, for zo- those who don't know, uh, Justin has a really cool thing with New Media Studios. They provide uh, setups to podcasters like us. They have a studio. They recently have po- uh, partnered with Wildfire Radio. So this is from Justin. Uh, New Media Studios and Wildfire Radio have merged together. They are the number one podcast recording studio and network in the Philly area. If you uh, listening, anyone here ever wants to start a podcast or really anything in audio, um, give them a call. You can call Justin. His number, he's given his, his phone number. You sure you want to do this? Uh, oh, business line. Smart move. Uh, 215-589-6794. Or you can check out their website, wildfireradio.com. And they're on Facebook, Wildfire Radio, and Twitter, at wildfire fire underscore radio so thank you to justin new media studios wildfire radio the new uh super podcast network conglomerate thank you to them big round of applause for justin setting this off he he brought an imac which is incredible um and our other sponsor is Amerigas. Uh, we have a cool contest going with them uh propane nation's number one propane provider go to crossingbroad.com slash Amerigas, enter your name and email address. You'll be entered to win $500 tailgating package. Uh, that includes a portable grill, uh, two tailgating chairs, a portable heat lamp, like, like one of these type things that you could you know, drive around in your car, and $200 worth of apparel to the Crossing Broad store. Uh, go there. The drawing is, I think, on Monday, Crossing Broad slash uh, Amerigas, and you can enter super easy. Now for the $500 prize everybody here is waiting for. This is the Carlino's game day giveaway, $500 worth of food for Super Bowl. I need someone. Let's make and Jeff, investor Jeff, do the honors here. You got to do the honors. Uh, close your eyes. Make a good pick. Give me a name. Can you look at can you? Can we look at you for this? Oh. It's, it's himself. Hey, you want me to read it? If it's you, you don't win. All right. The winner of the Carlino's giveaway is... I'm going to screw up the last name. Oh, I know that name. Sarah. I, I know that name. Copenhauer. Sarah Copenhaver. Copenhaver. <laughs> All right, Sarah Copenhaver. Look at is, you. Is Sarah Look here? at you. Is Sarah here? That's fantastic. There she is. We will all be Can, she left? Uh, uh, her roommate. Uh, her roommate counts. Fantastic. I don't know why I'm giving you that. That's, she won. That's uh, fantastic. Rich is your guy. Talk to Rich right here. 
So congratulations to Sarah for winning. Thank you, everybody. Give yourselves a round of applause for coming out. Um, we really appreciate it. To those of you who listen to the podcast, uh, even once a week or once a month, uh, me, Russ, and Adam do it at 6 a.m., Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, most week, obviously not this week. Um, for the most part, it's a labor of love. We are thankful to now have some sponsors like the folks at Carlino's who make this possible, put on cool events, uh, and we get to talk Philly sports like, you know, some average fans and, you know, try and mix it up a little from what you hear on the radio. So thank you for coming out. Um, please uh, come up and, and say hello after the show. Adam, you got anything to add? He does not. Oh, there I just want to say place. that I watched a video online. Of, oh, you're good. Can you hear me? We yeah. Gotcha. Oh, I was just going to say that I saw a video of everybody that was there, and that is an awesome turnout, and I'm so happy that you guys showed up. That's so cool. And I think the next one, Carlino's, I'm going to try my best. I promise. You guys are awesome, and I appreciate you. And Russ, your wisdom, man, you just you touched me to my core, dude. Like I, I question my existence now. Thank you, bro. You want to do our official rap since that's your job? Do we have any new iTunes reviews? No, we'll, no, we'll save those for no. next week. All right, so all right, everybody, thanks for coming. Uh, good show. Thank you. Thank you.